Okay. So she is a fae, and she is actually like a queen. Okay. She's very stubborn. I've heard you use the phrase fae, and I'll be honest with you, it's anything old like Eddie and Grandma. <laughs> hey fae! <laughs> hey fae! You coming to pop? You coming to? You coming to the Mong Dong? <laughs> Mukbang. <laughs> Welcome back to Family Fiction with Allie and Armin. Um, so we have some special guests on today. Um, we have cousins by chance, friends by choice, Katie. Let's go. Let's and ex coworker slash friend, Ethan. Hello. Not a cousin. Nope, not a cousin. <laughs> not related. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That was dumb. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so, Hallie and I usually start out the podcast talking about our currently reading. So, my current reading is A Forbidden Fate by Kevin Kearney. And my current read is An Air Comes to Rise by Chloe C. Pinaranda. Ethan, do you have a current reading? Uh, yeah, I'm currently reading a few books. Um, I'm reading Return to the Bull Run, which is a history of the second battle of the war in the civil war big civil war fan it's Yamato, so read a lot of books about, about that kind of stuff uh, i'm reading a book called 10 words to live by by jim wilkin which is a short little book about the commandments and kind of how those apply to our lives and i think that's it right now those two and i don't read <laughs> So, you're reading some. You're reading the so first time of it. I no, my Bible. I read my Bible. That counts. I'm reading a personality book right now, but I, I wouldn't say like I'm being consistent with it. Like I haven't touched it in like a month or something like that. But but let the yeah. record show that I'm not shocked by the fact that she's reading a personality book. <laughs> it's very consistent with the topic of today. Yes, it is actually. So so. With that said, um, our topic for the day is going to be about Enneagrams and love languages and kind of what they have to do with reading. Um, Ethan and Katie, I consider experts in the matter because wow. that was all we ever talked about <laughs> and uh, that's all I ever heard about. So, um, yeah, so just to kind of start off with anybody who doesn't know, um, how would you guys describe an Enneagram? You want to start? Sure. Uh, Enneagram is a personality test. Um, for me, I would consider it one of the ones that are most relatable to people. Uh, you have personality tests out there like Myers-Briggs and what's that one that you gave me the book of? Do you remember? Um, oh, Strength Finders. Strength Finders. Yeah. Um, there are multiple personality tests out there like that, but they're more like, not that they're not beneficial, but they seem a little bit more on the scientific side of things. Mm. So uh, not quite as relatable to me. And so that's why I prefer the Enneagram. Um, very personable, very relatable. Have anything else to add to that, Mr. Webb? Uh, yeah, I think one of the... Uh, <laughs> yes, Ms. Wampler. Uh, MBA. MBA. Ms. Wampler, MBA. How she signed her, her email. <laughs> yeah, very official. Uh, yeah, I think one of the good things about the Enneagram that personally separates it out 
for me from the rest is simplicity. There's non-personality types, whereas if you go into um, if you go into Myers Briggs, there's several what like sixteen personalities or something like that. Strength combinations yeah different combinations strength finders same thing there's probably like 40 or 45 strengths that you could have so that just makes it a little bit more complicated whereas i feel like after you've been reading and listening and talking about the Enneagram for a while you kind of pick up on all nine of the types and kind of understand at least a little bit about what's going on with all of them so that for me makes it that it feels like it's more accessible that way and that you can go a little bit more deeper because you can master the basics earlier on um, so I did list out the uh, basics of each Enneagram. So a one is a perfectionist, reformer, or idealist. Two is helper, giver, or mentor. Three is achiever, performer, and motivator, which is my Enneagram. Uh, four is individualist, romantic, original. Five is investigator, observer, thinker. Six is loyalist, skeptic, trooper. Seven is enthusiast, epicure, visionary. Eight is challenger, boss, protector. And nine is peacemaker, harmonizer, and mediator. Um, and then just to give a brief overview, overview <clears throat> too, of love languages. Do you guys have any way that you would like to explain those? Yeah, so love languages are, but it's, just, it's really a way not only of understanding how you best receive love, um, but also understanding how others best receive love. And so love languages was um, kind of brought together by this guy named Dr. Peter Chapman, and he was... He was a fast. He wrote the book, The Bible Love Languages, um, and what he basically wanted to show was that in a relationship or in a friendship and family, whatever, Sometimes we love others in the way we want to be loved, not understanding that that does nothing for them. So, for example, um, the five love languages are gift-giving, acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch, and quality time. So, I am a big quality time guy. The best way you can love me is to spend uninterrupted time with me, hours on the end, and I'm going to feel the most loved that way. But if I try to show that love to someone else who maybe their love language, their primary love language is receiving gifts, they're going to be like, no, like, if you want to show me love, go out and buy me something, you know, go and bring me food, you know, do, do something like this. And again, there's nothing better or worse about any of the five of these. It's just we all have a natural inclination usually to one or two of these. And when you figure that out for others, you can love them in the way they need to be loved. And you can tell others how you yourself want to be loved in a way that's effective. That's good. Um, to add on to that, I mean, you pretty much hit it on the head, but uh, another great example um, would be, so I have a coworker who hates physical touch. Mm -hmm. My love language is physical touch. I want to hug people. I, that's just how I show my love. Um, and she does not, she does not want to be touched. She does not want to be hugged at all. Um, she gave a high five once. That's the best I ever got. <laughs> yeah. But her love language is gift giving. Um, and so, like, for that, it's it's important to remember other people's love languages, kind of like how Ethan was saying, um, and to serve them in that way. So. Well, it kind of makes me think the quote from Perks of Being a Wallflower, uh, we expect the love we think we deserve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or accept the love we think we deserve. 
Um, so, um, what, so I said my Enneagram is a three. Um, so that's the achiever, performer, and motivator. Um, what is y'all's? I'm a two. I'm a nine. And a two is a the helper, and the nine is the peacemaker. Which definitely. Yeah. Um, and Ethan, you said your love language was quality time. Yes. Peggy, what's yours? It is quality time and physical touch. So I tied out on that. I don't. Re- I remember taking it, and I don't remember how low physical touch on what was mom. But yours was. I think it was at the bottom, wasn't it? It was shockingly low for being a member of our family. I know. It was shockingly low. Right. But my family, like our side of the family, is huge huggers. Yeah. So it was very shocking. And yeah. honestly, it depends on who I'm around. I think. Because, like, with Hallie and Carly, like, I'll hug them all day long. Example of yesterday, you ran me over. I did. <laughs> she stopped me trash, so I ran her over. Not with a car. With your car? With my body. <laughs> I found down. I uh, did manslaughter. <laughs> nice. That's how we show love in this family. So, what's your love language. Are we allowed to talk about that, her love language? So, we, so Hallie has taken these, I believe, this morning, correct? Yes, yes. And so these are all brand new. We don't know what they are, so we'll be responding on the fly live. Yes. So let me just say first, my love language was words of affirmation. Hmm. It was. Yes, yes it, was. it was. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I think, yes, it does. But yeah, physical touch. I mean, like, you and I hug every time we see each other pretty much. Yeah. So like, it depends on like, where I'm at with the person. Yeah. It's because you know that I'm physical touch, and well, so you were open to that. Katie's also my personal therapist. I have a 13-minute video <laughs> that proves true to that fact. Um, you still owe But, her, like, <laughs> we still owe her money for that session that I didn't ask for. Wow. Um, but we've already assessed that my vulnerability is low, so that's why. Look at me assessing. Look at you. We're See? Good. You just gotta talk through things sometimes. Mm. Very proud of you. This is actually a therapy podcast. We yep. Rebranded. Y'all didn't know that we were actually therapists. This is actually a soft opening for oh, mine yes. and Katie's own podcast, yes. which we call Wampler <laughs> Web. We're going to walk through all the personality tests we're talking about and solve a lot of your psychological and personal life issues. <laughs> solve your issues. Yeah. Um, so, can you do a podcast and work near you? Yes. <laughs> Sure. Um, okay, so Hallie, what was your love language? Wait, so, can I guess? Oh, yeah. Let them can guess I guess? So we're okay. ta- talking love language first. Yes. yes. I actually don't know. You don't give language. physical touch to me. <clears throat> no. No, I am a touch me not. Okay, yes. That's what, okay. So with that being eliminated. I have an idea. I'm going to go words of affirmation. Thing. I'm going to do that. That's what I would guess. I'm going to guess words of affirmation <laughs> with, um, I'm going to say gift giving is close. Okay. All three of you are wrong. Oh! oh. Okay. Tell us. It's actually quality. Hey! Oh. Interesting. I would have thought yours was that words of affirmation. Gift giving was the lowest one. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. Typical, though. Most people that I know that take it, <laughs> gift giving is their lowest one. Mm-hmm. Really? So that's interesting to me. Yeah. Well, okay. and I wonder if it's like an inner thing of like I don't want to answer these questions, but yes, I would I would want to receive gifts all the time. Which is true. Yes, I think that there's there is like when you're taking the test, you can be like, I would prefer receiving a TV to someone spending time with me. That sounds like materialistic. Yeah. But don't view it that way. Like when you're 
And that's a very important thing too. When you're taking these personality tests, honestly, take them as quickly as possible and go through that reaction. Because you sit and think about it, you're going to do, this is what I want to be, or this is who I want to be. That's it's not exactly what, this what is. I kept in mind when I was taking it. Yes. And I think the closest one that I was closest to was words of affirmation. And I think it may, and I think I know why it probably wasn't going to be physical touch. Because here's an example. My sister, she is very touchy. She loves to hug people. And I'm just like, man, get out of my bubble. It's, <laughs> Which is um, surprising because we've already determined that we think Carly is an eight. Which is a challenge. Oh, yes. I think so. Based off what you said. I bet she is. Yeah. We'll have to get her. But yeah, she, next. like, her personality does not match her love language. And, um, Enneagram wise, <laughs> do y'all want to guess? Uh, no, yes. yes. We did. We have actually already talked about this. Oh, gosh. Guys, I think <laughs> I, I, think I said a five wing four. Oh, okay. Then I, I think you? I would say a four wing five. I did look at wings. Okay. So mine is actually a six. Five, six wing five? Oh, yes. Okay. 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 And the more I thought about it, because I looked it up on the way here, and I was like, that makes so much sense. Mm. Oh. That actually does make sense, because we've always said, like, if Hallie and I were supernatural characters, I'm Dean, and she's definitely Sam. She's the one, like, looking up all the information, <laughs> like, solving the case. I'm the one that knows all the useless knowledge. And I listen to a lot of true crime mm. podcasts and videos, so that also makes a lot of sense. Okay. So I looked at it and I was like, hey. I think accounting might be good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like patterns? I know that's a weird question to ask. Kind of, yeah. Okay. You, you seem logical. We we detected <laughs> the situation from the twenty four hours I've known you. You seem very logical. <laughs> Just like the record show, we had a great conversation with we had a great conversation with Hallie at uh, Outback Steakhouse near Christmas time, <laughs> and that is our full knowledge of Hallie outside of the podcast. So great, spot on. <laughs> when she said six wing five, I was like, yep, she got it. Well, I did guess. Five wing four first, so it was wrong which originally, is, but is, it's close. I see five, five in you. Five. Yeah, I do see five in you. So okay, so we do uh, with new podcast guests. We wanted to start doing this guest interview, which we didn't think about this until after Emily had already come on. So next time she comes on, we're definitely gonna have her do this. Um, but uh, so we'll just ask like. I'm going to ask it, and then you can both give your answers to each question. Okay. Um, so the first question we have is, what what is your reading journey? And then what age did you start reading, and what book was it? Oh, my. I don't have much history with this, so I'll just go first to get it out well, of the way. I, I kind of think of it, too, like your reading journey is not really reading. So then what turns you off of reading? <clears throat> What turns me off of reading? Uh, well, let me first say the first book that I remember reading back in the day was I was probably like in fourth grade, like first full chapter book, and it was called Hatchet. Um, basically about this boy. I, I'm going to butcher it because it's been so long, but uh, he was on some kind of flight. The, the I don't remember where he, where he was going, but... Um, something happens, plane crashes, he has to survive by himself because everybody else in the plane died besides him. Oh, and he okay. survives using the, this hatchet that he finds, which is interesting. I loved that book. I don't know 
<laughs> I don't know why. Um, so that was the first one that I remember like reading and loving. Um, I mean, I've read a few romance books here and there, but uh, like Love's the last song. <laughs> I did. I love the last song. Um, other than that, I mean, at this point in my life, I'd say back then I was more into fiction. Now I like to read things that are informative and um, that are informational, like personality books and all that other jazz. So that's that's pretty much where I'm at. Also, I like to read devotional stuff and books about theology. So that's mine. What age did you say? What age? Did I start reading? Yeah. Uh, probably like third, fourth grade. Um, yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind when I was in, I remember kindergarten through second grade, I loved math. Uh, I remember that my. He knew he wanted to be an accountant. <laughs> I can get it. Even from the crib. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> he was balancing checkbooks in the crib. <laughs> I have the vision memory. Sorry, sorry. I would like to also point out, just for the record, that I am the first official male guest of the podcast. Now, Carmen's dad did make a cameo appearance, but it's only the background, <laughs> so we're not going to count that. So I feel like we're breaking the glass ceiling here with this podcast. Um, so yeah, just want to put that out there. Also, notice I'm being the one made fun of the most. Aww, so. no. A little bit of sexism being had here. Just saying. Um, but anyway, so I really like math to the point where this is somewhat embarrassing. But in first grade, we had these math workbooks. And they were like, you know, they're very colorful. They love to give kids the colorful books because that makes you want to like read them or whatever. And this was a math workbook. And I actually went ahead of where we were in school oh, and just did it. And I oh, came to the teacher. I came to the teacher at recess. I remember so vividly, very feeling so guilty. You're going, I'm sorry, but I've done more of this than I was supposed to. And just thought I was going to get in so much trouble. And just like, oh, no, we'll get you some more. You know, and like, this is great. But oh, I love that. So that's the first book that no, you... No, 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 no. Okay. Oh, this is going somewhere. This is going somewhere. Like, Let me clarify what I'm asking. <laughs> I preferred math until third grade. And at Christmas one year, I don't know why, but just, I guess it's just a throwaway gift. My parents got me this four set of books by this author. And I believe his name was... Andrew Clements or something like that. And the first book was a book called Frindle. And I don't remember much about this book, except there was this kid, and the front cover is this like um, <laughs> red-headed kid holding a pin uh, like up to the cover, I guess. And they gave it to me at Christmas, and I didn't have anything else to do. We were on my mom's house that night, and I opened the book, literally read the whole thing that night, and was just I mean, it wasn't the greatest work of literature ever written or anything like that, but it was, I was in brought, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And so then I moved on to the next book. They weren't connected, but it was the same author. And from then on, reading was my thing. I didn't want to be math anymore. Actually, math is one of my least favorite subjects. I know that's ironic because of um, accounting, but that was kind of my beginning journey of reading, and there's been a lot of like, different directions and veerings and stuff like that, but that's... That was the beginning. And that was around third grade. So you went from loving math to hating it? Um, yeah, it was, it was literally, it, it was a, it went like, well, you can't see us, but <laughs> it's like if math is at the top of the mountain and reading was at the bottom, reading ascended the hill and math came down the hill, and that's pretty much where they've remained ever since. We have so much in common because I started hating math in third grade. Like, <laughs> because yeah. of fractions. Mm, um, yeah. I did too. I even, I liked math so much that my, yes, that Hoffman gene, 
Asa must have skipped a generation. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, what's his name? Uh, I liked algebra so much that my senior year of high school, I had a free class where I could take whatever I wanted, and I took a third year of algebra. Wow. So I loved it. And I'm glad because she tutored me in algebra. Yes, I did. And then oh, dipped that, and then dipped out at geometry. Oh, <laughs> Y'all should have been there when I was trying to explain them stem and leaf plots. Oh, oh brother! Oh, to all the children out there whose teachers told them, even if you don't use algebra in your life, this is going to be good for you. Don't listen to them. They're wrong. I've never used them. Read more books. Forget the algebra. It's just more important. I just want to geometry. Good wow. Like my whole junior year, it was all like. Proofs. I'm like, why do I need to prove that a triangle is a triangle? Look at it, it has three sides. It's a triangle. <laughs> Literally. I hated geometry. I was no help to her because the teacher I had taught straight from the book mm -hmm. and nobody liked her. Mm. It always matters, especially with math. If you have a bad teacher, you're done for. They've got to be good and they've got to be able to tell you what they're talking about. I have a funny story. Speaking of math, so in seventh grade, I had a math teacher who was not qualified to teach math, she was qualified to teach reading mm. and literature. So, <laughs> yikes. there's a reason I failed the benchmark test. Oh, Anywho, Hallie, would you like to ask the next question? <laughs> so, the next question is, um, what is your favorite genre, author, book, and trope? We can go Let's take those, yeah. yeah. I, forgot, I forgot the first so, three. Favorite, favorite genre. Start with that one. The books. So yours is religion. Sure. Well, yeah, I would say that. I would okay. say theology, some type of theology book. Uh, yeah, I, mine, I wouldn't like pin myself down, but yeah, theology, that's going to be one of the big ones for me. I love mysteries, and I love nonfiction, specifically, like I said, civil or nonfiction. So those are the big three. Okay. Uh, favorite author. I will preface this. Ethan did tell me he has a list of favorite authors to discuss <laughs> on the podcast. So that was your time, Ethan. You want to take my spot in this? Because I don't have a favorite um, Katie's favorite author is God. Yes, Amy. <laughs> well, it's funny because that was actually, I wanted. To, I did want to do a little spot because that was what I wrote at the beginning was, was the Bible. Because it is the book I read the most easily. I would yeah. say that's true. Um, the only book I read every week. Um, but also just looking into any way, obviously the spiritual aspect, and um, that's very important. That's the most important, but the stories of the Bible, the poetry of the Bible, it's all in this one text. There's no other book like it. That's at the top. Everything comes from that. Literally, you can almost not read another book without it having some element that goes back to the Bible. So I think hmm. that's, that's really high up there. Um, sure. second, uh, for me, Oh gosh, I need to get my list out. But uh, mystery, you can't be Agatha Christie. Um, she is she is fantastic. Uh, her books are all the same, pretty much. Like there is, all the people are introduced. One of them gets killed. A detective comes in and figures out who did it. But I love those. I crave those. There's just something comforting about just that process of okay, I know exactly how this is going to go, except for the end because she is the master of keeping you in the dark until the end about who done it. So she's the master of the whodunit. Um, I had a big Stephen King face. Um, uh, he is just the worlds he creates, the imagination he has are kind of off the charts. 
and that really appealed to me, especially as a teenager. That like expanded my horizons in that respect. I don't read as much of him anymore, but I will occasionally still pick up one of his books. Um, I passed him in Florida one time in the car. What? Wow. So where we go to the beach in Siesta Key, he has a house in Siesta Key, and we were at the red light to turn right to go towards our hotel, but turn left and go out to his house, and he was in the like a convertible next to us. And Mom and I looked over like, that's Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, he's it was kind of like that, that TikTok stuff. <laughs> that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Stephen, Stephen King, King looks exactly what you would think Stephen King would look like. Yes, he just yeah. even buys books. He looks somewhat demented. I'll just, I'll put it out there. Those are, those are like good. imitates art. Poor dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's good. That's, that's scary. Good. Yeah. Um, that's so great. favorite book? Yes. Favorite book the Bible. of the Bible, Ecclesiastes. <laughs> we wouldn't go that route. Literally, I'm I'm telling you, outside of the Bible, I don't really, I don't. I mean, Hatchet literally was my book when I was in fourth grade. Ride or die. <laughs> yeah, let's she'll just go take, have it. She'll be buried with it. <laughs> um, yeah. As, I'll go with Ecclesiastes just because me and Ethan were actually talking about this the other day about how Ecclesiastes is my favorite book of the Bible um, because it's so different. It's literally, <laughs> literally the word vanity is used within it so many times. Um, it's, it's really just a, how would you describe it? Like, it's really like, it's almost, it's very it feels very relevant to today because yeah. it's kind of looking at all this stuff going on in the world at the time and saying, this is meaningless. You, it's, yeah. It looks as you make a lot of money, guess what? You're going to die. Yeah. Like that money's going into the ground and it will matter not to you. Yeah. It's, it's you can't says, take it with you. You can't yeah. take it with you. you. You accomplished all these things like, oh, great, you built an empire. You've done all this. Guess what? You will be dead. You're yeah. going to be dead just like the person who never did anything with their life. Yeah. And so it faces those realities and said, is there, is there any kind of hope? Is there any kind of relief in that? Um, and it does, I think it does give us some comfort and some idea of how we could live our lives, but it also like really puts it in your face. Like what is important in life? What is meaningful? What matters? So yeah, yeah go read Ecclesiastes. Even if you're not like a Bible reader, you can read Ecclesiastes in like probably like an hour if you just read straight through. And I think it's going to blow your mind. So, That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Very deep. Yeah. Deep book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think that's why I love it so much. She literally the whole time, all is vanity, all is vanity throughout the majority of the book. And then at the end, he pretty much comes around and says, all is vanity, but with God, it's not mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. So, yeah. So is that your favorite book then? Um, well, if we're not going to talk about the, if, forgetting, forgetting the Bible. For wow. Let's forget about the Bible for a minute. Wow. That, that's kind of like a shoe man, but if we're just, let's, go, let's go fiction. Yeah. Probably a book that had a really profound impact on me at, when I was in high school was actually Jane Eyre. Oh. Um, so that was one of the first like classic novels that I read that really kind of stayed with me. I actually, the beginning of my senior year, we had to write a one-page paper about what character in fiction we most sympathize with, mm -hmm. and I said Jane Eyre. Because she is a heroine who exemplifies self-control and self-denial, which is not something you see a lot in books today. Usually it's just do whatever you want to, do what makes you happy. Jane Eyre is constantly in a place where she knows what she wants, but she recognizes there is a greater good to be had, and so she denies herself those things. Um, and it's just, it's fascinating to see someone like that. But it's a great story, you know, classic Gothic 
kind of thing. And, you know, if you're, if you're into that kind of thing, that's good. If you're not, that is a great place to start. I'd recommend January. I think it's, I think it's Charlotte, Charlotte Ronde. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Um, so favorite book trope. Y'all know what tropes are. Do no, I please explain tropes. Okay. Yeah. So a book trope is like, uh, like the plot theme, I guess is how you would describe it. So like enemies to lovers, friends to lovers, uh, forbidden love, love triangle, um, stuff like that. I mean, there's, there's more specific ones like bodyguard falling in love with other guarding, different stuff like that. But I mean, there's all kinds, there's like thousands of different tropes. Yeah. So I mean, Ethan, do you have a favorite? Of course. I have so many book tropes that yeah, I have. Yeah, a favorite book trope. Like, is there a certain theme of book you like to read? So let me say this right off the bat. I, I'm I wanna, not asking Kate, but she doesn't have an answer. I want to take some time to refute what you all talked about as one of the best tropes. Which oh, is enemies to lovers. Wow. That I just love a, the tension. That is an awful trope for one, it's the most unrealistic. <laughs> do not do not fall in love with your enemy. They I are enemies. I'm about to jump out the window, <laughs> I don't like it. I never understand it when it happens. It always feels like they are fishing it like, oh, this is so cool. Okay. The hero in the building got no, together. No, no, okay. So when we say enemies to lovers, we don't mean like What am I trying to think of? I'm trying to think of an example. Um, we don't mean like Captain America falling for Thanos. Okay, like, let's... not the actual bad guy. Don't put but that like, in my head. two people that are like on the same side. There's a big villain, but these two people are on the same side, but they don't like each other. But they end up finding out that they're more like than they thought. Maybe they, more. Loving maybe them. more along. It may be years a little more along the line of rivals to lovers. Yes. Not enemy like direct villain. That might be a little bit better, but I just like feel, it's still terrible. No, but yeah, that just always feels like you're trying to trump up some tension at the beginning, but it's all you're all these people are gonna be at the end. No, yeah. I have a good example. Not Hermione falling in love with Voldemort, but Hermione falling in love with Draco. That's that's crazy because Draco has been the villain this whole oh, time. Oh, Ethan. <laughs> Listen, well, I don't know if we need to get to Harry Potter hot takes, but we need to get to the Let's just continue where we're at. So okay, the trope so I do like. I do like um, characters that you're not sure where they're at. So characters that, okay, this might be a villain or it might be a hero. Their actions are somewhat ambiguous, and it takes you the whole time to figure so out. So like an anti-hero? Uh, not, I would say an anti-hero. Morally just someone great. you're just not sure about. Morally gray. Morally gray. Morally gray in both sides. Like a, a, vil- a person that may at first seem as a villain but actually has some heroic qualities. That's the enemies to lovers. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's it. Because, the morally gray male character. Because wow. they do not deserve love. Those people what? deserve So a classic example of this is... No, listen. Listen to this. Listen to this. <laughs> Who am I talking to? These people are at most mostly villainous. These people are mostly villainous, and if they get some prediction, that's great, but it is better if they die. Oh, God. Because that is how they ultimately achieve their mission. <laughs> the classic example of this is Snape. Snape is the classic example. Oh, of this. don't it, do any spoilers for me. Oh yeah, Katie's not watching. Watch it. Movie. Katie's been saying. watching these movies. Come I forgot, on, I forgot. I've been watching it since 2007, and I still haven't got finished. <laughs> well, I haven't ruined anything. I don't want anything. it to be right now. I haven't movie. ruined anything for you. Everyone dies. No, yes, <laughs> there's a big bomb in Hogwarts. <laughs> Pockets. They would have been like that. I waited all this time just for But yeah, um, like... Darth Vader shows up and uh, <laughs> the place up. But yeah. I'm also intrigued by the opposite, which are characters that at first appear to be heroes that then turn out oh, to go I to the villain like side. Now, I think that's that really cool. 
cool. That might actually be a better truck because you said it's solid. Tamlin. They're like, who? Thorns and Roses. But the Sarah J. Moss episode that we had with Emily. I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't listen to Sarah J. Moss' episode. It was just too much inside baseball. I I've never read those it. books. Katie listened to it. She said but it was great. I didn't listen. I didn't okay. know what was well, let me, So, for y'all, Tamlin is a character that in the first book, spoilers for those who haven't read past Court of Thorns and Roses, um, Tamlin in the first book is the love interest. And then it actually turns out that he's... Surprise, I'm a bad guy. Hold on. Um, <laughs> he's actually, like, a big villain. He's not the villain. But he ends up being the bad guy. And then she ends up with somebody else. But, mm-hmm. well, you know. but I remember reading the moment that he became the actual bad guy was at the end of the second book. Because he was, there was this whole situation set up where they were with the villain in the same room as the villain. And it was actually Tamlin and the Lucian that had set them up. And I remember reading that and I read it at Warren Jackson. I was sitting at the front desk <laughs> and I threw my Kindle on the desk got up and paced around the office because <laughs> I was so mad. Mm. So and that, then that's kind of what I associate. And then from mm. then on, we start, people started referring to Tamlin as um, Tampon. Yes, that's what oh. the internet calls him. Wow. How clever. <laughs> I love that. that is what, well, I think it started because one girl, one girl's autocorrect corrected his name to Tampon when she was typing <laughs> it in. And that's where it started. Gotcha. It mm. kind of flew off the handle from there. Um, oh boy. So, what is the last book that you read, <clears throat> Ethan? <laughs> uh, that I finished? Uh, let's see. I believe it was a book called The Bands of Mourning. So, it is fiction. Uh, it is fantasy. Guy named uh, Brandon Sanderson. He's, um, he's a big name right now. He's kind of got, he's creating his own little universe of books. Is like, that the author? Yeah, Brandon Sanderson is the I've author. I've got one of his books. I've got Mistborn. Yes, Mistborn. There's actually two trilogies. Uh, there, well, the, the first one was a trilogy. The second one was four books of Mistborn. This was the third book of the second series. So they are connected. But they, he's great. Um, I think he's a good introduction to fantasy in terms of it definitely has a defined world. There's lots of good world building. But it's not like crazy detailed like, oh, I've got to know, you know, 17 names and 17 different families, legacies have been going on for hundreds of years. It's not quite that in depth, at least not yet. So, Probably. Oh, sweet Jesus. Thank you. Can you the last book you read? Hatchet? Hatchet in the Bible. I'll go back and forth between that. Uh, <laughs> me and, me and uh, Ethan just finished uh, First Peter. That's right. Of the book. So yeah, that would be one of the last ones he finished as well. Actually, okay, this might count for some. It counts. Um, so one of my best friends, she wrote a book, and I'm ter- feel terrible because I can't remember oh. the full. She hasn't. She it hasn't been published. Oh, or anything. No, you, you remember? Um, I can't remember the first part of the title, but um, something Magnolia. That's what she called it. And basically, it's about two best friends and their journey in life together. And I finished that from start to finish. Like I went, she asked me if I could read it and um, tell me how, what I thought about it, and I thought it was beautiful. And it was great. So I did finish that, and that was that was a decent sized book. So shout out to that anonymous friend. Shout out to Ashlyn Rowling for okay. uh, something Magnolia. <laughs> it's been a year since I read the whole thing. It might not even have Magnolia in the name. <laughs> it, it does. It does have some Magnolia. Like, might be a different flower all year. Yeah. Uh, um, so the next question is 
What's the last book you've read that left a mark? Katie, you're done. I'll just do leave. I'm for you. <laughs> answers. And that was Katie Wampler. <laughs> when are we talking about the Enneagram again? <laughs> I'm going to get a snack while y'all finish that. Ethan, what's the last book you read that left a mark? I think we're going to make Katie answer this question when she comes back. Why? Because um, a book has left a mark on you at some point. Come on. Catch it. Um, the hatchet, the hatchet, the hatchet is in my soul. Wow. Uh, Literally, the hatchet is in her soul. <laughs> last book that left a mark on me, um, probably the last one that left an impact on me, or that kind of brought emotion to me, was Kill a Mockingbird, which I'd never read until the last year or so. It's been amazing many times. But there was a scene at the end where, um, I mean, this is spoilers for a book that you it's know. been out for years. It's not like they a series or anything. But Scout, who was Scout, who was the main character, she is a young seven, eight year old girl, and there's been a kind of a night of trauma where someone tried to kill them, but now everything is okay. And there's been a stranger in their neighborhood, Boo Radley, who they've all been worried about, thinking he's like a crazed killer or something like that. Turns out he is heroic. He's a little. He probably has some problems, but he saves their lives. And they have watched. His porch, his house, which you know, they just see his father go into and come out of, but that's all they ever see. And at the end of the book, she walks back with him to his house and she stands on the porch and she looks out over her neighborhood and she remembers all that has happened to her over the last few years. But she sees it from the perspective of that front porch and just the way Harper Lee, the author, wrote that. I, I was literally in tears. Like, I, this is not happening to me very often with books anymore. It, it was so moving and so powerful to think about the way we have our own perspective on things. But if you could just stand, that's kind of the whole purpose of this book. If you just stand in someone else's shoes, stand on the front porch and look out, you see it with different eyes. And so, yeah, that really moved me. I can just remember it was a Saturday night and in March. I can remember so many details about that night because I, I was so moved by that. So, I'd love to kill a mockingbird. Yeah. Katie, do you have an answer or no? <sighs> Um, <laughs> any book that's moving. It doesn't have to be the last one. Okay, I mean, I will go. Okay, Magnolia in the Evening. That's what it was called. My mm. best friend's book. Uh, it hit me. I will say, I'll just touch on it. I mean, I did. I cried multiple times within that book just because the book's about friendship, and all who knows me knows I value relationships so much. Um, and a lot of the book consisted of. Like my best friend, she would she would put things here and there that alluded to our friendship or friendships that she has had with people. And so I saw these things um, within it. And I don't know, it was just, it, it was sweet to read it. And it was coming from a more personal place. Um, so does that suffice? That's perfect. Well done. Um, so favorite book character and why? Uh, I feel like I could just go back to Jane Eyre uh, for the same reasons I said. I think she's honorable. I think she exemplifies self-control and self-denial, which I don't think are qualities we see a lot in heroes or heroines in books anymore. And I think that there is an element of books that can have that effect on us that changes not only like, in, you know, we, we hear a cool story or, you know, anything like that. But we are actually changed to be better people because of the books that we read. And I think Jane Eyre is a classic example. I think it was much more common back in the 1800s, 1900s, um, 
to have that, like there was this element of like literature could be used as like moral growth. And I think we've lost that a little bit. I think there's some that are still thrown there. I think Harry Potter is a phenomenal example of that. And I think that there's a lot of, that's just a lot of moral well, attributes that are exemplary. And I will speak like things like Harry Potter, I talk about all the time of like, I think it's extraordinary, you know, like obviously there's been some conundrums go down with her author. But I think it does say something when you've got, when you've written a book that can connect so many people. So to kind of like yes. add on what you're saying, like it obviously made an impact on a lot of people. Absolutely. <clears throat> and so you can't really take that out of it. I mean, obviously I have a side job working for MuggleNet that wouldn't exist if not for those books. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's probably one of the big ones that's had a real a real big impact. On and I would people. not know a lot of people I talk to on a daily because of that. Mm. Interesting. <clears throat> I'll pass on this question. Okay. It's not the character that was based on you and <laughs> the Magnolia. That's true. Uh, we'll go with Jesus. <laughs> I mean, wow. come on. Come on. Someone would cop out. We'll take this. <laughs> Were you thinking it's a cop-out? I mean, I think that's like... It's the, the whole Bible is dedicated to Jesus. Yes. He's the only thing that matters. I agree. Okay. So, uh... <laughs> um, okay, so that's kind of what we had for the interview. Did, I mean, we're going to go into the discussion now, but is there anything like y'all would like to add based off those questions? No, they were good questions. I think this would be a good little bit for you all going forward with your guests. Ditto. So, you heard it here, folks. Uh, that was a five-star rating from Ethan Wood. <laughs> five stars. Uh, rate us on Yelp. They still have some bad Oh, yeah. Stuff. I'm sorry. Ethan never gives five stars anything. Nothing. <laughs> We've maybe got three and a half. I get five. I'll give five stars. To what? To Barely. certain movies. <laughs> I've never, never since I've known you, you've never given five stars. He five gives star. five stars to that Christmas movie he likes. It's a Wonderful Life. It's a five star film. Okay. That's fair. Okay. So, personal discussion. I did have written down <laughs> the Harry Potter debate. So, I popped into Warren Jackson to see them. And Ethan and I got into this discussion about our favorite books in the <laughs> Harry Potter series. Was it was it really a debate or was it an argument? <laughs> it was Carmen being wrong. Um, and here we go. A difference of opinion. Um, here we so go. Ethan, what did you say your favorite book was? Uh, my favorite, and I have not had a reread in quite a while, so this could change, but my favorite is The Order of the Phoenix. I think that it has the best character development for Harry in the entire series. It is the longest book, so I think it it really kind of entrenches us in their world. Uh, it's the first time we see the Ministry of Magic. It's the first time we see St. Mungo's, which it, to that point have been talked about a lot, but we haven't seen them. Uh, so it kind of, it feels like we're really expanding out from Hogwarts uh, really first, big for the first time. It's our first introduction of Luna. Yeah, lots, yeah, lots of major characters. Luna Lovegood, who is as crucial as anyone. Neville Longbottom really becomes a crucial yes. character in this book for a variety of reasons. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought of that. Interesting. What? Say that. She gives Luna. Who? Hallie. Me? Yeah. I don't know. In my mind. Maybe just look like her to me. But I haven't watched Harry Potter enough to like give a great judgment of that, so I could be very... <laughs> we all know that I 
Yeah. I'm still waiting to finish this. Oh, I do need to. Okay. Before this discussion ends, remind me. And I'm going to give you guys Katie's thoughts so far on watching the first two Harry oh, Potter movies. <laughs> I've seen and that <laughs> What she thought during the movies. I wrote them down. Um, so I think our debate started with, because we disagreed on Order of the Phoenix used to be my favorite, but I changed it to Half-Blood Prince. But Order of the Phoenix is still, like, number two, and it's a very, like, hard competition between it and Half-Blood Prince. Mm-hmm. But I think where we differed was mm-hmm. the movies, because mm-hmm. I still said that Order of the Phoenix is my favorite movie. Oh. Because while it is very different from the book, I still think the core theme and plot is there, and I just love the introduction of Lena getting to see the Thestrals for the first time. It has the best film scores of the entire series. Oh, I mean, subtract bad Hedwig's, take. Subtract Hedwig's theme and leaving Hogwarts, but it has fireworks. Mm-hmm. Give Professor me, give me Gobble of Fire's score. Give me the first two. I would say no. I will make the statement right now. Order of the Phoenix probably has the worst score of the series. Uh, no. Because you you have got the first three are all John Williams. Okay, the yeah. GOAT of film scores does a fantastic job. Gobble of Fire, I think it really hits home. In a weaker movie, a potentially weaker movie, that score hits home. And then you got the uh, Alexander Desplat does, uh, I don't know if he does Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows, but I think he does at least Deathly Hallows Part 1, which Deathly Hallows Part 1 would be my pick for the best film um but order of the phoenix i don't like it because it is one of the shorter movies for the longest book it doesn't it squeezes a lot of stuff in it it feels very like they in, they introduce grop and then it's literally like oh we've got to introduce him because he's going to take place at the end there's no sense of building to anything it's just like oh we've got to include this put that here put that here and then it's like oh remember that guy we saw for 10 seconds he's important now <laughs> eh, just doesn't do it for me i just I don't know. I love the introduction of Luna. I love the Thestrals and like Dumbledore's army. I think it's the first time you see the revolution happening. And that's fair. Umbridge is like any Harry Potter fan can pretty much degree, agree that Umbridge is worse than Voldemort. And yeah. so for her to be yeah. like the villain of yeah. Order of the Phoenix. And Amelda Stanton does, is, does a fantastic job. No doubt yes. about that. She because, is a great like, Umbridge. Voldemort's back, but. Umbridge is the main villain of that book yeah. and that movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just really like, and I think the Weasley twins are better in this one. Because, I mean, you do miss some stuff from not reading the book and, like, knowing that the Weasley twins, like, actually left school at the end where they shot off fireworks. Mm-hmm. But the fireworks film score is my favorite film score of the okay. entire series. Okay, that's fair. Callie and I set that as our alarm to get up when we went to Universal Studios. Wow. Dedication. That is dedication. Um, well done. right there. I don't. I, I do now. I do like the Deathly Hallows Part One. I think it's really good. I think. I think it has some of the best acting in it, as far as like Emma Watson when you watched it, right? Deathly Hallows Part One. Yes, you just haven't watched Part Two. Okay, Part One, where Emma Watson is doing the screaming. They said that on set they actually had to check and make sure she was okay because her scream sounded so realistic. Mm. Wow. And so I just, I think about stuff like that when I think about the movie, the behind the scenes kind of stuff. But to that effect, uh, Daniel Radcliffe's scream in Order of the Phoenix movie is muted because it sounded too awful 
because his grandmother had actually just passed in her life. So his scream was genuine. Wow. And they muted it because they said it was just too heartbreaking to hear. Yikes. So, there we go. Cooking magic. <clears throat> or the fans. Katie, what's your favorite so far? You haven't watched part two, but you said what your favorite was. Didn't you say it was Prisoner Basket? I do like that one. Yay! I love Prisoner Basket I like that one, yeah. Shall I read Katie's thoughts? Go for During it. Sorcerer's Stone, or Philosopher's Stone, and Chamber of Secrets. So Katie tells me, let me just preface, I don't know if we've stated this yet, but I've been trying to go through the Harry Potter series since like, I mean, literally it's probably been 2019 because my best friend has been reading through the books and it's taken her a while, which is fine. I don't mind that. But because of that, I've been watching each of the Harry Potter movies every six months. And so I'm losing like, content and like I'm not remembering each uh, event that happens necessarily so every time I watch it again I'm like refresh it's like almost watching a new movie <laughs> but so Katie came over to our house we watched the first two and after each one I kind of gave her like the lowdown of like okay here's what was left out of the books and she asked questions of like why was this a thing <laughs> and that's because it was left out of the movie you yeah know, stuff like that so <sighs> While we're watching the first movie, <laughs> I was talking about how I wish Hogwarts was a real school you could go visit and it wasn't CGI, that you could at least go see, like, the castle. And Katie tells me, maybe that's what heaven will look like. And then adds in, maybe someday, as if there's a chance that I won't get there. Yikes. And then I was referencing the Order of the Phoenix. I was answering some question you asked. And I referenced Order of the Phoenix. And she goes, right. The Order of the Phoenix. I love dragons. <laughs> Phoenixes are dragons, right? Nice. And I was like, well. It does involve fire. No. That's, I think it's an understandable mistake no, on Katie's part to come to Katie's no. defense. No, you. actually, you. no. Phoenixes are not dragons. You know what it's dragons? Dragons. <laughs> well, I missed it by that much. Um, and then, so the Christmas scene happens where Harry comes out and he says, you know, find out he has a present. This is my favorite. And Katie goes, aw, why didn't Ron go home for Christmas? Is it because he's too poor to go home? <laughs> when in the previous scene he had stated, I'm staying here because mom and dad are going to visit Charlie in Romania. <laughs> Yeah, you know, not my best moments. But, but I will say it was genuine concern, people. Yeah. She was genuinely concerned I was that Rod was too poor. Because I wanted him to have family. <laughs> and then, this is, Katie's watched these movies before, but again, she forgot the plots. <laughs> so she forgot that Coral was the bad guy. So she thinks it's really Snake. Who's that? Professor Coral. Yeah, okay. The guy in the turkey. <laughs> Um, I remember she says, you can't tell me Snape goes through this every time he goes down there. I said, what do you mean every time? She goes, when he goes down to look at it. And she's referencing the Sorcerer's Stone. Now, my question to her after that was, if he's after the Sorcerer's Stone, why is he going down there several times just to look at it, Katie? Why wouldn't he just take it? Okay, again, to Katie's defense, I think that there is a good argument to be made here. Thank you. Because I think the whole idea was, Snape was trying to figure out how to get this down, but if we remember, the Mirror of Erised is the last way to get it. So he, he could very conceivably have gone through all the other stuff, 
and is trying different things to figure out how he could get the stone but from the, the mirror. mirror. Yeah. Set at one setting, pretty much in but, simple terms. But Snake doesn't know that. But he. I mean, it's not Snake, first off, but he wouldn't have done that, potentially, if Dumbledore was the only one who knew. But could you imagine him having to play chess by himself every single time? Not to D4. <laughs> well, my guess is he would have, like, just talked to, you know, all the different people not that did all the different, you know, like... That may not even be a possible move. He'd been like, hey, McGonagall, so how about that step we're doing down there? How do you get through your uh, your thing again? Chess. How do you get through your... Does she do Devil's Snare? She did the Devil's Snare. Okay. Um, or no, no, that would be her ball. That would be Sprout. No, that was Sprout. She yeah. did the chess. Okay, she McGonagall did. McGonagall did the wizard's chess. And then he has the um, potions. He had the potions, yeah, because the potions were left out. Fleetwick does the keys. There's a whole potion trial that mm -hmm. he has to do in the book. That's not um, in the movie. Um, Fleetwick did the keys. Sprout did the um, devil snare, and then Dumbledore had the mirror bear. So, um, oh, Dumbledore. <laughs> Oh, that's a hot take. Ethan, thoughts on Dumbledore once you finish your cracker? I have Katie's question. Katie, Katie <laughs> I'm not thoughts on Dumbledore so far? I think he's very wise. <laughs> Ethan, what's your thoughts on Dumbledore? That's all you're getting from me. My question is about Dumbledore? What's your thoughts what do you on think Dumbledore? About Dumbledore? Do you think he's okay? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to ask this because do you think that he is a good mentor? Uh, is he a good headmaster in charge of children's lives? No. Okay, thank you. Wow. <laughs> I think he's one of the. I think he is one of, if not the greatest character in the books, but he's a horrible guardian. I think that um, I think that we see, yeah, I think he knows what the right thing is, but I think sometimes he gets so consumed with his way of doing things that Which he's willing for there to be. Which part two, so she doesn't know. Yeah, sure. Full context. Yeah, so I'm not going to go into details, but I just think, and that's one of the great things that Deathly Hallows does is it, it really complicates Dumbledore's legacy. Right after he gave us the book where we should be hero worshiping him just as much as Harry, um, which is very interesting, and I like that she... Because we view these, the Dumbledore, the Gandalfs, the Yodas as like, they can do no wrong, they're perfect, and J.K. Rowling popped that balloon and was like, well, let's actually look at some of the things Dumbledore did, and let's think about it for a second, and he probably could have done a little better, because he's human. He's wow. Well, but also, not even just in Deathly Hallows Part 2, but throughout the entire books, look at who he freaking hires as Defense Against the Dark Arts professors. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Umbridge was a little out of his control, because the minister was yeah. pushing for her, Yeah, but... Still, I think at some point, I don't think Fudge had the power that he thought he had over Dumbledore, and I think Dumbledore, if he really wanted to, could have refused Umbridge being a teacher there. Yeah. But he was, like, placing Harry on his little path. Anyways, <laughs> um, any final thoughts on the Harry Potter debate? Um, no, just that there's, you can debate it pretty oh, well. you did say... That Snape. So there's the is Snape a good guy or a bad guy? You said he's a bad guy. Uh, no, I think he's he's complicated. She but also I, doesn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Snape. We're not going to talk about details. He's complicated, but I think ultimately, um, ultimately his hatred for the way he treats Harry, I there's think, a is un is but it's, unreasonable. Yes, there's a reason, but it's also like 
mm, that doesn't really justify. Yeah, I don't think it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think it justifies his. I, we can't really talk about it. So. Yeah. Right. Katie, please. Sorry. Sorry. Can you go over to number one? Go over to number one, so, please. <laughs> it's his Katie, all is well. So Katie's gonna watch part two, and then we're gonna come back and resume this podcast episode. We're gonna yeah. have a part two. Okay, Katie needs to watch them all over again. Yeah. Anyways, I'm just never um, gonna get it all. Okay, so. so we talked about enneagrams and love languages a long time ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so. Where do you guys think we see, like, Enneagrams and love languages in books? I mean, that might sound like an obvious, like, obviously you see people's personality types, but in what ways do you think you see them represented? Like, do you, let me rephrase. So <laughs> when you read a book, do you see it, meet a character, and do you think of what their Enneagram or love language is, or is that something you even think about while you're reading? No, I don't think, I don't think in books I really do, like, or at least I, I think you could. You could, if like, you if you want to do that to analysis, do that. but yeah, for the most part, it. it's really just a human being thing, not a fake people thing. Well, <laughs> Sorry, I, mean, I was, <laughs> was kind of curious if, like, when you read your books, if you, like, feel like, oh, this person's a three, so I can kind of see where their path is going to lead. Um, I think, I think possibly like if underneath, like you're not physically thinking there are three, but if like, if your knowledge of Enneagrams and love languages causes you to like be able to see what it's going to be like them on down the road. Uh, that's an interesting thought. It's interesting thought, but I don't think I really, I don't think I'm ever consciously thinking about Enneagram in relation to fictional characters. Maybe if they do something, I'll be like, that's a very like non-ish, a non-ish quality, but yeah. I don't really, it's not really there for me during fiction. So I think you could do it though. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's it can doable. be done if you do it consciously, but I, yeah. it never really comes up for me. Well, um, so we do have a game. Ooh, that we're going to play with you guys. Okay. So Hallie and I have each listed our own five different characters. So we're going to go back and forth. Um, and we want, we're going to give you some characteristics of each character. And we want you to guess what their Enneagram would be and what their love language would be. And we're not going to tell you the character's name until afterwards. Okay. So, so these are going to be subjective. There's not actual Enneagram numbers for them. Well, I did look up these characters on Google and... There is like actual some people have placed them in Enneagrams. Now the love language is, is our like what I think their love language would be, but Google has actually placed these people in Enneagrams. Interesting. Okay, so all of them do have an Enneagram. Yes. Yeah. Some of them you may or may not be a guess. Yes. Straight up. So okay. we're just gonna give characteristics and after you guess we'll tell you who the character is. Okay. So for my first one, uh, this character is courageous, stubborn, guarded. Sarcastic, protective, tough, mm. independent, fiery, Easy. has deep loyalty <laughs> to those they trust, and is rebellious. Enneagram. Okay. It's definitely an eight. Maybe, and that could, it could be either wing. I would say maybe eight wing nine. I was going to go eight wing nine. Yeah. It's actually, what? Not according to Google. Google's, ugh, yeah. that's a computer what is, system. What, what did you get this off of? Wikipedia. Don't Google they were wrong. <laughs> Okay, let's think. Okay, if it's not an eight, if it's not an eight, courageous, courageous, uh, loyal to their people. Maybe a seven wing six. Okay, loyalty. Uh, sixes lie in loyalty. They have lot, deep so. loyalty to those they trust. Six wing seven. 
But see, six ha- sixes are supposed to. Six have- are not. I don't think they're sarcastic or like courageous. Or, and they're not fiery. They're not fiery at all. No. They're just like kind of steady. Sixes are steady. I don't know why. <laughs> so we're basically se- how. We're- so the correct answer is eight wing, eight wing nine. But Google has a different answer that's wrong. So let's hear about that. <laughs> Google says six. Six? Do you relate to that, Hallie? Kind of, but um, when it comes to the courageous part, that's where I kind of fall. So knowing the character, the characteristics, loyalist, skeptic, and trooper definitely fit the character. Would you like to know who the character is, or would you like to go ahead and guess love language? Okay, love language. Love language for someone like that would probably be acts of service. That's what I would that's say. That's what I put yeah. there. there I, yeah. yeah, that's, that's my guess. Because so they would be like, you want to prove your love for me? Do something for me. Like, I want to see this in tangible actions because they're yes. going to be sarcastic, maybe a little. Yeah. They want to, They want you to prove it through, like, an actual thing you do. So the character is Katniss Everdeen. Really? Interesting. Okay. Which I would not consider Katniss to be an eight because she's well, a, she's funny, a little yeah. bit more reserved. She has See, I think when you know the char- who the character is, you it starts kinda, making more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, she has deep loyalty, though. She's trust. She's guarded. Um, she's very stubborn, very courageous, obviously. Sarcastic, protective. Yeah. All okay. I can go with that now, knowing the character. Yeah, the character, I would agree. The description, I would still say is eight. But... Yeah, that's description. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's kind of why I wanted to give the character name last, because I feel like it definitely skews here. Yeah. So, I kind of wanted that's... to see what you guys would say about just yeah. characteristics alone. Okay. So, my... Oh, oh boy. So... For my character, she is loyal. She is charismatic and like procrastinating stuff. She's sometimes impatient. And she is sometimes very secretive about certain things. See, that sounds like a 6.7 to me, somewhat. Maybe a 7.6. Maybe a 7.6. Because impatience, like they're always wanting to get to the next yeah. thing. Charismatic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Seven wing six. That, that would be my guess. Seven wing six. Well, according to mine, but now that I've listened to y'all, yours makes more sense. Um, they couldn't know the characteristics for well. Yeah, that is true. For they said an eight. So are we just flipping so back? So I think you just got these confused. Yeah, <laughs> y'all have the wrong notebooks yeah. for each other. <laughs> so what did you say? A six. We said a seven wing six, oh, seven. didn't we? Yeah. Because they're charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. You put it at, okay, who is it? It's, y'all won't know the character. Oh, you won't know. It's from Throne of Glass. Her name's Aelin. Okay. So. She is a fae, and she is actually like a queen. Okay. She's very stubborn. I've heard you use the phrase fae, and I'll just be honest with you, it's when anything old, like, Eddie or Grandma. <laughs> hey, fae. <laughs> hey, fae. You coming to pop, you coming to. You give it to the Mong Dong. <laughs> Mukbang. <laughs> the Mong Dong. <laughs> okay, no, she is a challenger. She is a protector. Okay, yeah. You challenger, sense. challenger. See now, if we would have said that, if that yeah, would have been a challenger, but that's like that's yeah. kind of giving it away. Yeah, but. that's true. Um, love language. Well, y'all would um, know. Well, myself. That. Love language. Mm, maybe what would you say? Words of affirmation. I was with Lawrence Bath. Yeah. Yeah. Words of I kind of see both. 
I could see words of affirmation. Um, I, had act, I had acts of service, but I could kind of see both. Okay. I could see words of affirmation. Sure. Okay. Because she kind of, she's a little insecure. Depends gotcha. Her significant other. <laughs> yes. Gotcha. So, um, so, this person is a closed book. They're sincere, rational, honorable, liberal-minded, prideful, and arrogant. Interesting. Say it one more time. Um, and I'll actually add something else in there too. Closed book, sincere, rational, rational, sorry, honorable, liberal minded, prideful, arrogant, thoughtful could be a word, but not thoughtful in the way of like thinking of others' emotions, but thoughtful of like they're. It's giving a little too. Interesting. I see, I was thinking like, I was thinking three. Were you? I was thinking like maybe three wing four. Like, I don't know what, but like, the the pride for the of a three with all their two accomplishments struggle and stuff. With pride. Two C struggle with pride. That's a good point. So maybe They're two and three. Deep. Liberal minded. I don't think that's not that's not really that doesn't really fall into the category. Yeah, I think two and three. They sit in the background and watch others. That's not really and kind of really two. Yeah, we kind of think of twos in general. They maybe a one nine. Because they're critical, so ones are perfectionists, so they're critical when things don't go the way they should. They could they're have reserved. A, they could have a lot of pride because they think their their way is the best. Maybe a one wing two. One wing two. That's not what Google says, but I agree that it could be one. I think this person could go either way. Okay. What do they say? Google says five. But I thought about a five. Once I reserved. say the character, I think they could go five or one. Okay. Would you like to know the character? You want to do love language? Do love language. Oh. um... So, uh, let's see, closed book. This one is thoughtful. Well, coming up with a love language was very hard. You've got okay. to prove yourself to the end. So, you spend quality time with them by saying, like, you're worth spending time yeah. with. Yeah. I put quality time because of what you said. Like, you've got to prove to them, like, you're worth it. Yeah. Because I really couldn't think of a love language for this person. It is Darcy from Private Prejudice. Oh! No, okay, Darcy is actually i read i think darcy is an eight i can see that i think that i think it I read, fits in a lot of categories i read pride and prejudice not too long ago and darcy is just straight up like so i just as a side note i think all enneagram people are drawn to one number above other members and i don't know why this is and i don't think there's any rhyme or reason to it but i have a lot of people that i've been close to in my life who were eights i agree with that yeah i agree with that because what don't you have one that you think you're Fours. Fours? Yeah. Okay. I do. I could see him as an eight, but I could also see him the five, the observer part of a five, and the thinker, but also the perfectionist and idealist yeah. side. Yeah. I can see him. Yeah, he can go through a lot of this. I put quality time because I was like, what is his love language? Um, I'll leave it to you next one. Okay. So this next one. Like the other one, he's very loyal. He's very protective. And when you first, when they first meet, he comes off as very like serious and very like harsh. And he's very strong. He's strong. Mm -hmm. Harsh. Strong is like personality, like personality. Okay. I think stress on the protective. Yeah. That's eight. I was gonna say eight, yeah. Maybe eight, nine. An eight that's very unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> so 
Google said it was a one, which now that I'm listening to that, that's way wrong. Yeah, one. Very wrong. You should, you should interview Google next week and then <laughs> see if they can guess our Enneagram. I can see him fitting a two. Possibly. Okay, twos fall to eggs yeah. and unhealthy. So yeah. I can see that. Mm. Being a two. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. We talk about that. Maybe yeah, there's a whole. Two. You want to guess love language? Physical touch. Yeah, physical touch. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so this is another book character that y'all probably don't know. It's Rowan. It's okay. It's, it's who? Rowan. Rowan. Yeah, it's I know. Prince, of course. And he's I know Aylan's yeah. husband. Mm. Aylan. Yeah, I know what you're we talking about. We met her. Okay. Um, so this character is stubborn, rebellious, passionate, protective, caring, Loving and impulsive. I'm seeing a a uh, a lot of repetition. Like, yeah, the, yeah. Which is interesting. So we're trying to turn the so tables on you all now. You like? This is what me and Katie <laughs> like to do. It's like we are being questioned, and we turn the tables. And that all the characters you're mentioning are strong, impulsive, yes, somewhat challenging, challenging, uh, loyal. Yes. So I think that that. So what does that say about what them? does that say about you two and what you're characters seeking from those characters? Hmm. I think that in your own life, there They're may be not. some weaknesses that you need wow. to find strength in. <laughs> this is what happens. And maybe in their impulsivity, your predictable lifestyle is being revealed. Because um, I shared an office with Katie, and then Ethan would come in, and we'd have a full round therapy session. <laughs> and it always got pointed on me with, I just wanted to be in the peanut gallery giving comments. <laughs> From the sidelines. Anyways, go go ahead. What were you saying? Loyal, challenging, the usual of no. <laughs> stubborn, stubborn, rebellious, passionate, protective, caring, loving, and impulsive. But they're very much sharing. Love. They're not trying to get involved in the fight. Eight wing nine. I was nine wing eight. Uh, I was going to say maybe two wing one. You were going to say a two wing one? No, it's definitely an eight. This thing, I thought they can't all be eight. They can't all no, be eight. eight. Okay. <sighs> They're not trying to get involved in the fight. Well, nines are, don't avoid conflict then. Yeah, so maybe maybe a nine, nine wing, wing eight. Nine wing eight? Nine. Okay. okay. Nine wing eight. So say this again. <laughs> I am a nine, so let's see if these describe Ethan. You're nine wing <laughs> one, though. Stubborn, passionate, protective, caring, loving, impulsive, and not trying to get involved. I would say all those except impulsive would be maybe somewhat close. Now, impulsive was what I, I can looked be very character stubborn. traits for this person, and impulsive is what they gave me, but I wouldn't. I don't think oh, I want to see They that. also gave me brave, but I wouldn't put brave. <laughs> maybe, that comes with, maybe that comes with the wing eight. <laughs> wouldn't put brave. That's wouldn't put brave in this category? No, it oh. in this character. <laughs> for this character, I would not put brave in there. <laughs> this sounds like... Let's put it this way. There You're like all those Gryffindors out there. Oh, we're the brave party. Well, there. Now, let me put it this way. This Ooh. character, in the third book, there was this ultimate battle with the villain. Mm -hmm. This character has the powers of, like, so there's the High Lords. They each have, like, a different power, like fire, darkness, water, whatever. Um, she has the power of all the High Lords. And I kept reading these books expected, okay, at the end, she's just going to, like, explode. Her powers are just going to, like, destroy the villain. 
All of her friends fight in the battle and she stays up in the dang tent the whole time. I like it. It's intriguing. <laughs> I hate it. With a passion. She stays in the tent. I hate it. She oh, literally okay. stayed in the tent. I hate it. She is my least favorite. It's favorite from Credit Coins Roses. Gotcha. I, I love that. I would put, what would you think her love language would be? Hmm. What have we not said yet? Words of affirmation. Uh, gifts. I know. <laughs> I put gift giving. Did you really? Wow. Or giving gifts, not receiving. Okay. Okay. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Because she's very much like the word peacemaker does. Really. Okay. So basically, if you're a peacemaker, you like gifts. You like gifts. Mm, that's my last one. <laughs> like giving gifts. Um. I yeah. Actually, I do enjoy giving gifts. I love. You. I don't like. Or receiving is fine, but I would second, rather all the other ones come first. My second love language was gift giving, I think. I think it was higher, yeah. Because that was right when I took it, it was right when I was about to give her the cult you that we were getting preferred to eating at the Supernatural. Because mm. I remember talking about oh, that with Denise. Gotcha. Okay, so my next one. This one is very smart. Five. <laughs> <laughs> and Which I haven't thought she, of doing. And very driven, oh, hardworking, no. friendly. Okay. And um, Marie came so messed. She's like, okay. And she basically right. and strives to be the best. Oh, three, three wing team. Three wing team. Three wing team. Three wing. Oh um, yeah. I will say this person has a very time pay personality. So we're wrong. It's not a three wing fit. Or is Google wrong again? Let's no, I would classify three this person as type A personality. Two. <laughs> what was it? When you find out who the character is, you'll change. Okay, so Google said it was one. Very okay. type A personality. And sure. love, guess love language, if you can. No. This is kind of hard to do when we don't really know the. Yeah. Uh, do you want to Or is it affirmation? If they're successful, yeah. they want to be. Okay, yeah. Well, then that person is wrong on this one. Uh, so the character is Hermione. Very type A. Very Hermione. So let's talk about Hermione as an Enneagram. Very type one. She is definitely uh, a three. I think she's type one. She's an achiever. She's, she's she uses a freaking time machine to take more classes. She's a perfectionist. <laughs> that kind of stuff hasn't been done since I went ahead and math work books in first grade. I'm going to put her at a three. I'm going to say three. I'm going to put her at a three, but I mean, she's very type A. She's three weeks too. She cares so, for her friends more than anyone very, else. Yeah. She's a three-wing cheat. That's one of the easiest characters I've ever talked about. I can see it both ways. I agree with that. I can see it both ways. I can see one of her wings being one. At least. I just think three because she is an achiever. She wants the same thing. She's in the heart You know what? I'll I'll actually take your answer because I'm a three, so I'll I'll classify myself as Hermione. (laughs) Sure. There you go. Hermione is the only reason they all survived. Okay. So... I do think it's funny that y'all are pointing out like these are all the same because as I did them, I was like, all of my characters have similar characteristics. Um, you bring us back on and we'll tell you exactly what that means about it's you. Very telling. Yeah. Um, we'll interview we'll you next st- time. We'll stick up for you. No, we'll, that, you'll appear on Wampler Way where we just, that's all we talk about. It's like your your issues. And stuff. <laughs> we diagnose. So you're stuff. saying it's an issue. My issues. We all have issues. That's clear. We do all have issues. Um. Okay, we'll just give one more each. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> this person is brave, determined, uh, self-sacrifice, courage, protective, sarcastic, can be lazy, 
moderate intelligence, heroic, and impulsive. Eight and eight nine. Eight. Eight nine. There's a little bit of laziness there. Do you want to know the character? Who is the character? Harry Potter. Oh, I don't know that I would have thought that, to be honest with you. Maybe. Access serves. Yeah, yeah. that's what I put. Alright, so this last one. So this person comes across as very friendly, comforting. They're loyal, and they are, people kind of describe them as being very quirky because they are different. Five, six. They're different though. That makes me think four. Oh, five, Maybe five, four. four. Or four, five. Lock it in. Let's do five, four because you five, got four. five. So they said it was a four. Four, yeah. five? It's just. I think it just is giving We don't have Wayne's oh, okay. yeah. Sorry. We're not that Google fan. We're a little bit more advanced than Google, of course. So. <laughs> and, um, no surprise there. Love language. Um, I would say theirs would be gifts. Like a unique gift sure. or something like that. Yeah. Giving or receiving? Giving. Or being, no, receiving it. a gift. Receiving oh. a gift. Sure. I can see giving, and I can see words of affirmation. Because mm -hmm. that's what I kind of guessed was words. Maybe words okay. of affirmation. But I, honestly, I don't think they need to be affirming their identity. I think they want it to be. That's true. They're fine. They, they are the master. I think that's their second. So, you want to know who the character is? Yes. Luna Lanka. <gasps> really? Mm -hmm. Words of affirmation. Aww. That'd be her second. Because I feel like she's very okay with being. I love that. Um, um, what did we say for the end? Y'all just said it. What are our issues? What oh, are your issues? Oh, no. Never mind. Um, <laughs> you want to get into Bottle of 2023. Wampler <laughs> Way, episode 30. Bow Um, Chill. Kind of all we had planned. Would y'all like to give any parting words of wisdom? Parting words of wisdom. I mean, I mean, I guess we'd have to relate it to the Enneagram, so. I, I will say, I do think that personality tests are very beneficial, and specifically the Enneagram, because it helps you to understand people better, and it helps you to understand yourself better. And in doing that, it has helped me personally, like within the last few years, grow empathy for people. Um, because kind of like what Ethan was saying earlier in terms of a lot of people are loved, like the way that they want to be loved is often different than the way that you want to be loved. So when you understand that, when you take the time to do the, um, Enneagram and do the love language and start to know other people's better, then I think it ultimately will help you in your relationships with other people. And I mean, even... I'll say, like, that was one of the first things I did with everybody when I started my job, especially Ethan. Like, he's I, already had a history. With he had a history with the Enneagram, and I remember asking him, what's your Enneagram? And so that's kind of what we bonded on initially. Mm -hmm. um, and I did, I made all my coworkers take it, too. And yes. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thankful I did because it really has helped me. And not, uh, not to say that you are a number, but it really does help you. It helps you understand who you are exactly and it helps you to understand people mm -hmm. i think it depends on who you're talking to too because i think like once people have told like you they're in your are like oh, okay so you're this type of personality this is how you act in certain situations so i think for certain people who understand what enneagram is 
Oh, yeah. It's very helpful. It's never meant to be to be used to pigeonhole someone or to use against someone. Like a lot of people exactly. will use that, like, oh, you're doing that because you're an A, that's classic, you know, like, and you're you're almost like dismissing someone because you know the personality type. That is a bad use of Enneagram or any personality test. A good use is, is that it does reveal characteristics of a person that will help you know them and hopefully love them well. Um, but also, I think it's accessible to a lot of people because a lot of people, you can't go deep with them right off the bat. You can't say, tell me all about your life. Tell me the deep things about you. But if you do something like give them a personality test, that seems very easy. That seems very non-invasive. Yeah. But what it does is it reveals something about them and then they will feel, I feel like a little bit more comfortable to share that with you if you're giving them that test. And from there, you can progress to deeper and deeper conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I would classify you as a five, I think, because of the investigative and observer. Mm. Because that's all you've ever done to me. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's get you to open up a little bit more. We're going <laughs> to talk about all your deepest fears. <laughs> and uh, Which why. is coming from a place of deep emotion, which twos have and care for people. So, <laughs> she's hey. crying over here. She's. <laughs> crying on the side. <laughs> Y'all can't see that. But. Fives tend to not show their emotion yeah. typically. And that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's not Katie. Hallie. <laughs> Hallie's great. So that's like, that's where I struggle. Like, do I not show that? For the record, Katie's a very emotional person. I am a very emotional when person. When I FaceTimed her to tell her I was putting Warren, ja Warren Jackson, she had to hand the phone off to her friends because she was crying so hard. I did have to do that. And she acted like I was dying, <laughs> moving away to Mars, um, like we were never going to see each other ever again. I did do that. Let the record show. And I, think, person. I think that makes sense because for me personally, in certain situations, I don't show my emotions because like I can in reality not be fine. Mm -hmm. But when people ask me like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And it's just not showing my emotions because that's, it is but you still fail them, right? Yes. You still fail them deeply. Mm -hmm. You just don't. Oh, shit. That's not me. That's me, but. Yeah, so. But yeah, just, I don't know. I just enjoy being Graham. And... It's, when I took it and I started reading about what, what a six and a five is, I was like, oh my God, I know more so much about myself. <laughs> That's kind of all we had for today's episode, um, but we hope you guys enjoyed listening, and we definitely loved having this interview and Love talking it. about Instagrams and love languages and books and Harry Potter and emotions and emotions and feelings and <laughs> therapy and the Bible, because <laughs> we discussed a lot. Um, <laughs> so that's the only book Katie's ever read. That's magic. <laughs> um, but we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.